Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, Paul, welcome back. What's going on? What's up? Nothing. Nothing? Just good chatting with you. We didn't, you know, we've been talking for the last like 25 minutes about stuff that we have going on outside of outside of this podcast, I would say. Yeah, that's why we plan it. We always block an hour to record a podcast because we spend the first half hour talking before we hit record. Maybe we should hit record and, uh, you know, we might have to put it, might have to file that under a different podcast uh, genre uh, <laughs> if we ever aired those pre-conversations. But yeah, uh, no, it's all good because it all leads back to usually what we're going to talk about for the day, which is... Uh, Hey, you got a policy. I think most of our listeners have policies. We, I mean, I'm sure there's a healthy amount that don't, but that are learning, getting turned on to this idea of IBC. Uh, sure. But I know a lot of our current clients all listen, you know, we, on a weekly basis uh, to hopefully glean something new. So sure. we hope to do that today and, and give those who have a policy uh, some thoughts and ideas and, and get the, the gerbil spinning on that wheel in your head. So, uh, but before we do, we got a question from Mike. Um, Mike sent a YouTube question in from our episode on uh, red flags, I believe, the red flags episode, things to avoid. Uh, but Mike says, and I'm sure we talked a lot about convertible term insurance in there, but he, he asked, is getting a convertible term insurance policy and converting it to a whole life policy common for somebody who is initially uninsurable? What do you say, Paul? Well, if the person already owns a convertible term policy and he's still got some life in that term, um, maybe he, like we talked about in the podcast, maybe he could try to get healthier, or lose some weight, whatever it is. But if you had cancer last year or you have type one diabetes or you have a, a you know, several issues that kind of, you know, compounded a one giant issue, you know, from an underwriting perspective, um, you're probably not insurable which means you're not going to be able to purchase convertible term either. Right. Right. So to your point, it might be time, depending on how much life is left in that term, to start converting some of that into whole life because you're not getting any younger. Maybe you're not getting any healthier. So there's some unknowns in there that, uh, you know, your agent can help you make a, a good decision. Um, yeah. Yeah. But convertible term is no different than whole life as far as underwriting goes. You still need to be insurable in the first place. So yeah, the underwriting guidelines are, if they're not the same, they're extremely similar. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, bottom line, there's no better time to get life insurance than when you're young and healthy. Yeah. When like you're a newborn baby. Well, there you go. Six days old, uh, get a policy on that kid. Yeah. My kids have had whole life since they were that old. Yeah. Just not so the right kind. Oh, well. Oh, really? Well, they didn't have dividend paying whole life. They, and we still have these policies. They're cheap, yeah. but they're just regular $100,000 death benefit whole life policies, vanilla, you know, right. whole life. But there they are. They have the ability to pay premium on them and there is value there, right? And there's going to be a lot of value when they're adults because it's had that yeah. much time to, to grow and, and yeah. become something that's that's going to be good for them as far as the cash value goes. Yeah. And they've had dividend paying the last, what, three years or whatever. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about 
you know, for the the person out there who's listening who has a policy, maybe they just got a policy, maybe they've had them like like in my case, I had policies for about six years before I ever really did anything with them. Didn't know what you had. Didn't know what I had, but but I, I think as we would both agree, still it didn't really matter. I didn't have to do anything with them. So we'll, let's just preface it with that. You don't have to leverage your cash value to do anything. If you're using the policy for nothing more than just capital accumulation, saving for a rainy day or, or saving for you know something far down the line, that's completely fine. You're saving it in a much better place than you otherwise could. Right. I, I you know, a lot of people are always asking, you know, I got to put all the cash value and, you know, pay all this premium. And a lot of it maybe might be single PUA premium or whatever. And they just, I'm going to take the money right back out and go do something with it. And that's fine. The banker, you know, as James says, you're right. The banker could do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. but there shouldn't be this like fear of missing out that you need to go leverage all your capital that's in your policy and, or ser- series of policies and go do something with it immediately. I think that building capital inside a dividend paying whole life insurance designed for IBC as Nelson Nash taught it, is doing something, right? Yeah. Because you don't know what the future holds, right? So there's going to be something that you need to finance down the road for sure. What right. that is, whatever. Could be property, could be education, could be a wedding if you have all daughters. Oh, who knows? Could, yeah. Could be a second wedding. Uh, could be, could, it, it's completely <laughs> unknown, right? Could be a second wedding. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, five years from now, when you look back, you'll probably realize, wow, the last five years didn't go exactly as I planned. Something came up that that threw me for a loop. You know, some curveball was thrown at me that I never expected. And thank God I had capital, access to capital to get me through that time. Uh, or right. to make good on an opportunity or something like that. Yeah. I always yeah. harken back to the Hurricane Katrina example. Congratulations, your house was paid off. Now it's no yeah. longer there. There you <laughs> go. Now it's underwater. Right. Um, Nobody ever said, thank God my house has paid off after it got ruined by a hurricane. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so our philosophies on using cash value, we just stated part of it, you know, but uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit about my own, how I use mine. So my, my policies, first, I establish an emergency account. You know, my, my emergency fund is inside my policies. So I set that at a certain number that I feel comfortable with, you know, that, you know, that, that amount of having available cash value to loan against will be enough to get me through, you know, any, any number of emergencies without putting me into debt um, or, you know, affecting my family's day-to-day life. Uh, So I set that number and I never go below that as far as how much cash value I'm leveraging. I always have at least that much available. And then I let it accumulate above that. And after it's accumulated to a a healthy amount uh, that may you know, you define that for yourself. Um, then it's time to start looking for opportunities as far as I'm concerned, because I'm not investing in a 401k, you know, I'm not putting money into a Vanguard ETF dare funds you? or, you know, putting money into FTX. Uh, <laughs> Oops. <not> <laughs> uh, it turns out nobody <laughs> ever had money in FTX anyway. It was somewhere else. Oh my goodness. So no. So my money is growing inside my policies and then I need to go find opportunities to utilize that to grow my wealth. So I let that accumulate, look for opportunities, put those dollars to work in two places at the same time. So that's that's my philosophy on it. And then, you know, we can talk a little bit about opportunities, they're boundless, but that's really what it is. And maybe you listening have a different reason for 
uh, for accumulating your capital there. Maybe you're saving for a down payment or to build a dream home like Paul when you retire. So <sighs> there's there's all Not kinds of different easy. reasons. Yeah. No, I think you're spot. I think you're spot on with your philosophy. Um, I do the same thing. I have my quote emergency fund um, inside my policies. I was listening to somebody the other day, and I can't remember who it was, and they were talking about an emergency fund or whatever, and they and they were saying you need to have this before you do this. Let's let's say it's IBC before you do IBC, you should have an emergency fund. And I was like, well, why isn't the emergency fund just inside the policy, like like right. like Dave and 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 minus so. Um, that's money has to reside somewhere. That's the best place for it. It's kind of like the discussion of, uh, <laughs> well, I've got, you know, $10,000 of policy loans out and I have $5,000 in my savings account. Well, why, Be- because why we're, do you? we're, we're bred and trained to love. We love that gives us a warm fuzzy. Just having that money sitting in a checking account that we can reach in and grab at any time. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's where credit cards come in. Honestly, why I, would you not use a credit card for emergencies? Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, you know, I have a couple of home equity lines of credit that um, that I use for just you know m- quick muscle movements, if you will, financially. Right, if I if I need to. Um, but there's almost no money in the, in in checking accounts and savings accounts. It's all in my. They're all all the money's in the policies. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What else for your? That you have a. You have any other notes on like your philosophy? You talked about fear of missing out, which makes sense. Like you don't have to spend that money. Yeah, I think, you know, as you get into IBC and you start, you know, it takes a few years to get going, right? And again, that's that's part of the deal. You're not going to become your own banker overnight. It's going to take the average person 20 years to to do that, right? Maybe maybe longer. Uh, if they keep printing money at the, at the rate they're printing it. Don't worry, though. The Fed's on it. They're going to combat yep. inflation, right? Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. Um, problem and solution somehow. Um, but anyway, so I think, you know, the, the larger amount of financial value that you're able to accumulate over time, the better the opportunities are going to be. And I also think you're going to, you might shy away from other things that you would have jumped on previously, because maybe you become, I think you just become wiser and you see what other people are doing the longer you're in this, this IBC community, uh, and you're going to get picky Right. Yeah. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, you're going to become a more astute investor, and not and, only and just, that, but yeah, you're, just picky. You're going to start questioning things a lot more because I think that's what just understanding the philosophy behind infinite banking and getting into the books that we recommend, you start to realize, hey, you know, all this conventional wisdom, there's there's really a I need to start questioning that. I can't take everything at face value, so it makes you slower on the draw, which is a good thing. Because now you're not just, you know, you're you're not just automatically going to go with the, the newest, hottest thing because that's what everybody right. else is doing. You're going to sit back and question it. Like, do I really want to put my hard-earned capital into that? So, Man, if I had had the knowledge I had now a few years ago, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you and I would both be sitting a little prettier. <laughs> so. <laughs> you know, I was watching uh, Bloomberg plays in the gym that I go to in my building where I work. Mm-hmm. and um, And they had this, like consumer advocate type, you know, service industry person on there. Who's like just some talking head talking about the minimum wage debate. And I tell you that debate triggers me, man. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so annoying, but to, to my point, there's so much noise out there. And this just reminded me of it when I was just sitting there watching, I was like, this lady's an idiot. God, God bless her. But she knows nothing about economics. Right. Like the, you know, the anyway, so you have to be able to sift through that noise. And I think 
doing IBC, accumulating a large amount of financial value inside your policy, your series of policies helps you just, I don't even, I could care less what the market's doing. I really mm -hmm. don't care. Other than maybe I want to play with my TSP a little bit as if the market tanks and I can just go back in because I'm all in the government bond fund, right? I don't lose any value. Yeah. Well, you lose value to inflation, Paul. Yeah, I, I got it. Thanks. But anyway, so not really, but I, I'll say this. I moved to this area last year. The market was super hot still. It was 20, early 21. And they would not look at you if you were a VA buyer. Really? Nope. If you were a VA loan buyer in Northern Virginia, because there were 16 other people that weren't, or there was two people that had cash that were, you know, buying $800,000 properties for cash. Yeah. So guess who, guess who won? Those people won. Hmm. Right. And other people that were undercapitalized, let's face it. Right. Um, Cause all their money's locked up in a qualified plan. They lost. Yeah. And now they're, they're like permanent renters here in Northern Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And probably not going to be able to buy a house because Nope. Any anytime soon, if they couldn't, you know, a couple of years ago when the interest rates were so low, incredible. Super low. And now they're right. They're, I mean, the purchasing power is gone. Yeah. And uh, the prices really, they've come down a little, but not much. Yeah, I'm still waiting around here. <clears throat> I think prices have come down a little, but not not as fast as they should because the expectation for the seller is still, oh, I can get a lot for my house and it's worth this yeah. much. When nah. they don't realize that the honeymoon is over. Yeah, the honeymoon is 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 long gone. So, yeah, yeah. Um, which could be turn uh, turn out good for buyers. And that's what I'm counting on. Yep. So, me too. Yeah. Well, so now you got, say, the listener has a lot of cash value saved up and they're ready to pounce. Like maybe they're they're like, OK, well, shoot, there's there's got to be opportunities out there. Um, I don't need all of that as an emergency fund. So let me put it to work and really you know get velocity of money working in two places at the same time. So how have some of our clients found opportunities like to include ourselves? Um, one of my favorite stories, which we did a podcast about is a, a client who realized he could get a, a massive discount, like a 20% discount on private school tuition. If he paid it all upfront as an annual right. payment. So he did that and he's like, Oh, look, I got all this capital over here in my policies. I'm just going to take a loan out do that. And then the amount that I was going to pay that school every month, I'm going to pay that exact same amount back towards my policy and have it paid back in like nine months. So, I mean, it's like- Super smart. Oh, I remember yeah. saying that then. That's just- Brilliant. He never would have seen that though, right? Never would have seen it had he not been in the right in the right mindset. Like he rethought his thinking, right? Yeah. Yep. So you could do that with, um, I mean, a homeowner, so if somebody's renting a house right now, maybe they sold their home and they don't want to buy a new one just yet. You're renting, negotiate with the landlord. Hey, um, I'll give you 11 months up front if you give me the 12-month free. Didn't you do that once? Uh, I, I I, thought about it, and it yeah. turned out I had something else. I, I decided to put my money into You had something better to do. Another investment that was going to yeah. pay me more um, than what that would, than what my ROI would have been on that. Right. So I took the okay. same amount of cash, and I put it somewhere and was able to earn enough to supplement my monthly rent. Right. I got you. So it, it, but it's an opportunity. Like it gave me more options, right? Right. It's all about no, having no, more options. No, no question. No yeah. question. I have this, this little, this little joke someday where I'm sitting down with the mortgage people, hopefully at a, in a FaceTime call like this or a zoom call, or it's always over the phone, right? Or maybe something 
spoke with a local banker and then I just sit through the process and just say, you know what? I really don't want to sit through all this and supply you with 800 pieces of paper and 8,000 years of tax returns and all this stuff. I think I'll just pay cash. Yeah. And just, I just want to see the reaction. I'm just going to, uh, yep. Just whip the pin out, write a check, done with it. And it's not, usually they're, they're just fine people, but it's the guy behind the scenes. That's like the underwriter. And I'm yeah, like, it's well, always I don't know who this guy is. Like, what is he, what does he want? Yeah. I'm it's not laundering like money. It's like his life is on the line. If he makes a bad decision. Oh, it's oh my goodness. I mean, the house is the, the loans fully collateralized. I'm buying a house with it and, and right. land or whatever. It's yeah, you're, you'll be good. Yep. So yeah, it, you go through that process once. It'll make you want to pay cash for a house. Dude, but I've owned what? Seven homes now. I hate, I hate it. I hate the mortgage process every single It doesn't really, time. More get, it doesn't get any easier. No, with Dodd-Frank, it made things way more too too complicated, but the more assets you have too, right? The more money you have in different places, they need to see, they. what is this transaction? What is it? It just becomes this, Right. it's just, it's awful. I don't know how else to say it. People maybe think I'm I'm overreacting about it, but I tell you what, I've, I've bought a fair amount of real estate and I hate the mortgage process. I would rather just cut them a check with a policy loan. Yeah. So, I mean, that'd be- Someday. Someday, maybe not too far from now. So there you go. You can pay cash. That's another opportunity is paying cash, right? You get that old Dave Ramsey pay cash discount that he preaches about. Uh, You can do the exact same thing. You can still pay cash and own the title to your truck. Like I have the physical, you know, no, I don't because I'm, I'm doing a different strategy, but if I wanted to, I could cut a check right now and and pay that off and hold the title and then just make the payments back to myself. Like you can pay cash. The difference is you're paying cash with somebody else's cash. This, exactly. This always came up early in IBC discussions over the last few years, I think, is people have always asked me, well, Paul, mortgages are at 275. Why would I take a policy loan at you know X percentage? And I said, well, you, you, you don't have to. Maybe there's a better alternative use of that money right now. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you discuss the volume of interest and and other discussions for an amortized loan and a simple interest loan. And I understand a mortgage is a simple interest loan. I, I get that, but it's an amortized loan, which is extremely, it's front loaded with interest, right? Yeah. The first five years of a mortgage is 80 something percent interest. It's, it's yeah, awful. It's brutal. Plus you yeah, throw in some closing costs in there and all that other crap. Well, so here's and, an uh, idea. Let me interrupt your thought real quick. Yeah. Instead of, let's say you want to buy a $500,000 home, but you got a hundred grand saved up and you, you say, well, I'm going to throw a hundred grand at this. So I only, my monthly payment is only, you know, based off $400,000 of a loan. Sure. Well, here's, here's a better idea. As long as you can afford that $500,000, you know, mortgage loan on a monthly basis, which you should, if you're buying that much of a house, you should be able to afford that monthly payment without a down payment. That's my philosophy. Buy $500,000 home, get a mortgage. And then immediately after that closes, throw that hundred grand against the, the principal of the house. That's going to move you like nine, 10 years down the amortization table. So all of a sudden from day one, your monthly payment now is a lot more principal and a lot less interest than it otherwise would be. Yeah. So. You could do that. You could, which is not a terrible thing to do if that's what you want and to do. And it makes you more marketable with the banks because you, you know, your asset is worth more than, than your liability. That's right. Now you've got that, you know, a, a different, uh, you know, loan to value and right. You could also just keep the money in the policy. True. Maybe there's a better opportunity down the road 
that you don't even know about yet, where you can create some some cash flows using that hundred thousand that was in the you know in the policy. Um, so again, guys, this just goes back to just having options, right? And just thinking through what honestly what just fits better, you know, best for your for your what's going on in your in your life, right? Um, but having that the ability to to see the landscape in multiple ways through multiple lenses is, um, I think, is what this is all about. Well, and you mentioned, I probably cut you off before you could finish the thought. You know, I don't even remember what I was talking about. A I year ago, <laughs> I mean, interest rates were like 2%, right? 2.5% for a 30-year yeah. mortgage. Now, they're 6%, maybe higher. 7 for, maybe? 7 yeah. for a 30-year yeah. mortgage. And guess what's less? Your, your loan interest rate at the insurance company. Right. So that's actually a cheaper loan. Plus, every payment you make back goes 100% towards principal, not interest, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, again, the best the best borrowing terms that exist in the world. Unless you're borrowing from, from your, you know, your your rich grandfather who never expects you to repay or something like that, right? Well, I didn't have one of those. Me neither. I'll be the first in my family. I'll be the first <laughs> rich grandfather. You know? And we'll keep that tradition going. Uh, yeah, that's a, that'd be a great tradition. Yeah. So let's talk about something that that has come to light over the last month, a strategy we're working on that that is really just it it blew my mind it blew paul's mind when i explained it to you but our you know, private lending company is um putting together a strategy where so everybody understands if you have a whole life policy you understand you have a death benefit and that death benefit is a guaranteed future value right and it's future because it's not going to pay out until the insured graduates and then that death benefit will be paid out. But it's, it's in the future. It could be far, far into the future, hopefully for everybody. Um, but it's also a guaranteed value. Now, there's something interesting when you're able to leverage that value and bring it to the present day. You can actually put that to work for you, earning money today on that future value. Really tough concept for a lot of people to understand because it's not something that we're familiar with. But this happens just so so everybody knows your life insurance policy is being used like this right now, whether you know it or not. That sure. death benefit that you have is being leveraged by the banks, by the insurance company to, to guarantee a, a loan from the bank. Like that death benefit we have, it's being used by somebody and it's not being used by you. Now, there's a strategy in place right now where we can show you how you can actually use that for you and put that death benefit to work, earning rewards for you today, really while transferring 100% of the risk of that transaction to somebody else. And so we understand risk transfer. There's no such thing as risk-free, right? There's only risk transfer. When we get an insurance policy with these companies, we are, as a policy owner, transferring 100% of the risk. If it's a whole life policy, not a universal life. Uh, if it's a whole life policy, you're transferring hundred percent of the risk to the company. They're the ones taking all the risk. All you have to do is pay the premium. You can do that in other formats too, where somebody else the absorbing risk is great business insurance companies. That's what they do. They absorb risk and it is yeah. great business. If you do it correctly, they absorb risk, they share risk with each other. Yep. You know, through the reinsurance industry, which is, you know, and they're profitable. No and they're, they can be incredibly profitable. How dare they, these these capitalists. Which is why they pay a dividend to us every single year. But Dave, that's just a return of excess premium. Yeah, interesting. Okay, Dave Ramsey. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I think of it. I like the analogy that our, our friend brought up the other day about what you just, what you were just talking about where, you know, you own some land in Texas somewhere in Midland, let's say, and it's sitting on, you know, X amount of barrels of oil, or maybe you own a, a diamond mine in, in Africa or, you know, whatever. Even if you do nothing with what's in there, there's a known, you know, this geologist has said, yep, this is, there's, there's this much under there probably, you know, yep. est- estimate, you know, best, you know, low, on the low end, it's this much at least and on the high end, it's this much, so, you know, we'll swag in the middle here. You could do something with that value, that land. That happens all the time. value. Yeah. yeah. Right. Of course. The, the bank could be like, yeah. Yeah. They don't have to mine for that gold because it's been proven that it's there and it's guaranteed to stay there. So the bank recognizes that value as a present day value. As long as it's put into a format that the banks can recognize, then the banks can provide lines of credit to that company to go out and maybe buy more assets and build the company up and, and do smart things for the company. So it's no different. After the, that's right. After the banks create money out of thin air. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, just throwing that out there, anybody with a whole life policy, there's a whole new world that you can leverage with that death benefit. You know, not on your own though. Not on your own. I mean, unless you've got, I mean, unless you're high net worth, very high net worth, maybe you've got, you know, $5 million of liquid capital and, you know, some other stuff, you may be able to go to a bank and they, they may offer you a line of credit based on that value. Um, but no, the, the, the typical man off the street, gal off the street, it's not going to happen. No bank bankers are going to laugh at you. In fact, you're never going to get up. You're never going to be able to talk to the right banker who can make a decision like that. If you go into a bank and want to talk to the president, they don't really know what you're talking about. Like they don't make any decisions. Bank presidents have zero authority to make any decisions when it comes to loaning money. It all has to be the board of directors. Like bank presidents are, I mean, I'm sure they're smart but they don't have much authority. So you got to get up to like the fourth lo- level, like the, the suite on the fourth level of the bank, talk to that person and they can make things happen. So the more we learn about banking, the more I love talking about it. So we could go on forever, but we're, uh, I'm, I'm offering, you know, several presentations over the next month or so on, on how you can put that future value of the death benefit to work today uh, and start earning money on that today, which is, it's just a phenomenal strategy that's that's already being used. You just don't know about it, and nobody's ever showed us how to do it. Yep, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. I'm uh, pretty pumped about it. So yeah, yeah. So big. I don't want to get too excited, but I'm I'm pretty excited. We may have to start a whole new podcast. No, we won't do that. We'll just expand on this one, and and it'll become even more, uh, just more expanded on on banking concepts because. Infinite, I think Nelson had a whole lot more in mind than simply using cash value policy loans to, you know, to finance your life. Um, uh, there's a lot more that we can do with this that we ever imagined. A lot more power in these policies. Yeah, I mean, dividend paying whole life. You know, that financial value, both the future value of the death benefit and the present value with the cash value that you can get to. The process of IBC. You know, I've, I think I've said this before. It touches everything, every aspect of your life. You know, money has a lot to do with whatever, whether it's gymnastics lessons or in Dave's case, hockey, you know, the rich man's sport in Minnesota, right? Every, no, every man's sport. Every man's sport in Minnesota, yeah. And every <laughs> I love joking sport. about that. Everybody it was it that. was the rich kid's sport where I came from, I think. Yeah, me too. 
Yeah. Um, but it, it does, it touch, it touches everything. And I, um, I can't, I can't be thankful enough just to one. You have to see the value though. This clicked with me when I read, I read actually the case for IBC first. And then I read becoming your own banker immediately following it. Right. Cause they told me to in the book, They're like, you need to pick up his book. This is not yep. a substitute for that book. And, you know, listening to other podcasts from our friends back, back in 2019 or whatever, 2018, just you, I can't help you see it though. Right, Dave? Like you got to catch, you got to catch IBC. You have to catch all of what's going on in the, in, in the world and in, in the financial world to under, to really understand like why it makes so much sense. But if you're a dollar, you know, dollar cost average, 401k, buy term and invest the difference type person. Great. Yeah. I mean, that's your thing. Go, go, go for it. You know, that's, yeah. that's wonderful. But, um, IBC's maybe is not for you. And that's, un, it's unfortunate because it would enhance, enhance your life for sure. Anyway, I'm going to yeah. shut up. Yep. Yeah. You can enhance whatever you're already doing. So, yep. Well, all right, man. I think we, uh, we reached the 30 minute mark. So good. All right. Well, I guess, uh, we'll call it a day. Let's and, practice our new sign off. Oh, we didn't even talk about it again. I, I think I've only got I think one what, suggestion from a, from a listener so far on what the sign off should be. Let's but, use that right now. And then we'll see if we, Hey, well, it was a little provide feedback, you know, Oh, yeah, is it? It, it was, uh, keep your bowder dry and, and keep access to your capital. I was like, that's cool, but it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. How about like what you said the other day, control your capital or someone else will. I like that. I think that's, I think I'll that's take, nice. I'll take credit for that. So unless any other listener has a better one, maybe we'll go with that. So you start, you say the first part and I'll say the second part. Control your capital. Or somebody else will. We'll see y'all. Oh man, it's gold. See ya. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the ibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.